right, well, if you've got a Bible with you, open it to John chapter 8 uh, with us this morning, or if you have your YouVersion Bible app, you can uh, open that up. You just click on More and then Events, and you'll see Ridge Church there, and you can follow along with all of today's uh, notes and Scripture uh, as well. So we've been walking through the Gospel of John for the last, uh, gosh, I don't know, a year, and so we're in chapter 8. We're about halfway through chapter 8. Uh, a year in the Gospel of John, maybe two years from now we'll finish it up. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll get there eventually. But hey, uh, my name is Bobby, by the way. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're glad that you're here with us. If you're watching online this morning, we're glad that you're watching and tuning in as well. But in uh, the Gospel of John, one of the things that has happened over the last several weeks as we've been walking through this together in John chapter seven. It's an interesting thing that's taking place. It sort of sets us up for where we're going today uh, for the next few minutes. In John 7, uh, we learn about this thing called the Festival of Booths or the, the Feast of Booths, if you will. And it's kind of like this big party that the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, are coming together and they're celebrating how God delivered them out of slavery and bondage in Egypt and how Moses led them through the wilderness and to the promised land. And so as they're celebrating that, there is all of these things that are taking place uh, during the festival, these images, uh, if you will, different things that they're doing. And Jesus is using this imagery to point people to who he is. And essentially, he's using these things to say, uh, these are the things that you're familiar with. These are the things that you're celebrating, but I want to show you who I am. And so there's a moment in uh, 7 where Jesus is talking about water, and he's talking about how he is living water, that if anyone is thirsty, he says, for anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. And he's just reminding them that, that he is this living water. Water was a big image during the, uh, uh, during the extraction, if you will, or the, the exodus of as the people of Israel were leaving Egypt. But not only that, we, last week we, we looked at how Jesus is talking in, in John 8, uh, and he's in the temple and he's teaching uh, during uh, the last days of the festival, and, and light is a big image. Light is a big image all throughout the Old Testament. It's a big image in the New Testament. God often uses the word light to refer to himself. And Jesus says to them, he says, I am this light. I am the light of the world. And so all of these things together, when you string them together, basically what you have is you have the Jewish people starting, some of them are starting to get very angry and agitated because essentially what Jesus is doing is he is saying, I am God. And they don't like that. In fact, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they're very agitated. They're very angry, very upset with Jesus uh, as he is calling himself God. And so there's this exchange between them back and forth, back and forth. And that continues all throughout chapter 8 uh, of John. And it continues to just get worse and worse and worse as we continue to walk through the gospel of John together. But what we see in today's text is at the end of, of last week, at the end of what we talked about last week, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, it says in verse 30 of John chapter 8, it says that many people, because of the things that Jesus said, said many of them believe. Now, that sounds like a really good thing, doesn't it? It's like, hey, that's a great thing. There's all these people, and, and they're listening to Jesus, and, and they believe. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he has come to, to save them and rescue them. And we think, well, that's a great, great thing. 
But what we learn as we finish up John chapter 8 is when you get to the very last verse, these same people that it says that they believed, in John chapter 8 verse 59 it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. <laughs> now that sounds like a bad day for Jesus, right? Like they, they're angry and it's because of this exchange. That essentially what happens is these people that, that for a moment believed, they didn't really believe. They didn't really believe, and Jesus sort of calls it out. And so uh, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at, at what it means. In fact, this is what Jesus says. Let me read it to you. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 30 says this. I'm just going to read three verses. It says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So, verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews, to these people who had believed, he says, to the Jews who had believed in him, he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, it's interesting to me as I, as I read this, and, and as I have sort of been sitting in this for the last week or so, and kind of trying to get my mind around what Jesus meant by that, especially what he meant by, if you abide in my word. If you abide in my word, then truly you are my, my disciples. Again, you have to remember who he said this to. He just said this to a bunch of people who said that they, they believe. And so essentially what Jesus is saying, he's saying to them, he's saying, listen, some of you here are true believers, but then there are others of you here you're not. You think you are. Maybe you've said that you are. Maybe you've even tried to fake it till you make it to think that you are. But you're really not. He says, but if you want to know that you are, this is how you know. You have to abide in my word. You have to abide in my word. So what does it mean to abide in his word? What does that mean for us? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for, for me and, and for all of us uh, together here this morning? Well, first of all, if um, whether you're a believer, unbeliever, or someone who, who's really not sure, these words are for every single one. These words that Jesus has spoken here that are written here are, are really for every single one of us. But I think it means a little something different for each one of us. So what then does it mean exactly? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, Jesus, as he's uh, talking uh, to this crowd, he sort, of, he sort of sets them on edge a little bit. And I don't know about you, but like when I, when I read this and I, and I read the words of Jesus where he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. For me, it makes me ask myself this question. And I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but it still makes me ask, ask myself this question. Am I really abiding in his word? Like, am I really, truly abiding in him? And so what does it mean to, to abide in his word? Well, that word abide is, is really, really important. If you miss the, the meaning and the understanding of abide, you miss the whole point of what Jesus was trying to say here. Uh, the actual Greek translation of the word abide means to remain in or to sit in. I, I like to think of it uh, to cling to. And the reason why I like to think of it uh, to cling to is because I think about my daughter Emerson. She's seven. And uh, she's small, and so uh, she does this thing, as uh, a, a lot of little daughters will do, is, is she'll jump up on me, and she'll grab hold of my neck, and she'll wrap her arms 
around me and her legs around me, and she'll just hold on to me and cling to me, literally, to where I can just walk around the entire house like this. And, like, she doesn't fall. Like, she's just, like, like Velcro, just stuck to me. Like, I can't even, like, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll be like, all right, sweetie, you got you to gotta get down. I'll try to, like, you know, pick her up, and she'll be like, no, you know. She'll just be, like, stuck to me, and I can't, I can't even get her off of me, right? Like, she is clinging to me, like, holding so tightly to me that I, I can't even remove her from me. This is what it means, in a sense, to abide in Jesus, and specifically to his word. And we'll talk about what his, his word means here in, in just a moment. And so for you and I, you and I, like to truly be his disciple, we have to abide in his word. We have to cling to, remain in, sit in Christ. We have to attach ourselves to him. So much so that Jesus later would say this. He says, if you will abide in me and I in you. Do you know what that means? It means the same thing. He says, you're going to attach yourself to me and I'm going to attach myself to you. And we're going to become one. Christ has to become every bit of us, every part of us. And as it does so, Jesus, he says this. Uh, when he says that if you will abide in me and I in you later on in the Gospel of John, he says what will happen when you do that? You'll produce fruit. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says, if you will remain in me and I in you, he says, there will be something that happens in your life. It will be sort of this outward expression of you attaching yourself to me and me attaching yourself to you that outward expression will be this thing that we call fruit and what fruit is is it's the outward expression and appearance of what it means to actually walk with Jesus and do what he says um, for about 13 years before we started Ridge Church, which, by the way, Wesley mentioned this, that next week's going to be uh, incredible. It's going to be awesome to just celebrate all that God's done here and, and what he continues to do here uh, over the last 10 years. And I'm really excited to be able to do that with you guys next week. But um, for 13 years, so before we, we started uh, the Ridge and started this church, uh, I was a student pastor for 13 years, which means I got to uh, hang out with teenagers, eat a lot of pizza, and play Chubby Bunny, champion two years in a row, by the way. Um, I don't like to talk about it, but uh, retired that way. So it uh, it was just a, a great time. It was really it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really uh, challenging in a lot of ways to work with teenagers. It was uh, humbling in a lot of ways to work with teenagers. But at the same time, uh, it was also really really rewarding for the most part. There were uh, a lot of times that with our our student ministry team, like like there were just days and moments and times when we would gather together where. Man, you just felt like, man, it was awesome. It was amazing. It was so cool to see how teenagers were taking their next steps with Christ. They were uh, gathering together and worshiping the Lord during our, our student gatherings and the, just singing so loud, louder than the band was actually playing. And then they would sit down and, and I would just preach my heart out to them. You would see some of them take notes and write things down. But then when there would almost always inevitably be that time, it was just like right when you just felt like everything was just like moving, you're picking up speed, picking up momentum, just getting there, there would almost always be that time that on the next Monday, a kid would come up to me and be like, hey, you know what, I know we talked about this yesterday, but I kind of messed up. 
Like, you know that thing that you talked about yesterday, last night at, at student? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I, I didn't do that. I did the opposite. And be like, you know, then my counseling skills would kick in, and I'd be like, come on. Seriously? <laughs> Which is why I don't do counseling here. But, because um, I'm really bad at it. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's what it'd be like. It'd be like, you, you like, come on, like, we just talked about this. And here's what I learned. I learned that, that teenage, then, like, I thought about it, I was like, man, you guys are so good. Like, I, I feel like you're so good at, at hearing. You're so good at hearing. But there's a disconnect when it comes to actually doing. And so then when God called us to, to start, um, the ridge, and I, I moved out of being a student pastor into uh, a, a, an adult pastor. Right? Uh, some people call it a real pastor, but you know, whatever. Daniel, no kidding. You'll get to be one one day, Daniel. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm kidding. I'm joking. See, I was a I was a youth pastor for 13 years, and people would say they, they'd look at me like Daniel's our student pastor, by the way, he's sitting right over there, and, and they'd look at me and they'd be like, "Hey, are you ever going to become a real pastor? Or are you just going to do kids?" And I'd be like, "Shut up." Anyway, um, so uh, so like when uh, we started this church, I thought to myself, like I thought about those experiences, and I thought, you know what, like this is going to be great because like they're going to be so good at like hearing, but they're going to be so great at doing too. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. It's going to be really great. Do you know what I've learned? It's the same. <laughs> it's the same, but not you guys. I'm talking about the first service. You guys got it. You guys are good. Nine o'clock service, they they got problems, but uh, but in all in, in in all seriousness, like there, I think for a lot of us, especially um, just believers in general, I think that sometimes there's a huge disconnect between hearing and then doing. You see, in James, James actually says this in James one uh, twenty two is he says that we have to be not only hearers of the word but we have to be doers of the word he says be doers of the word not only hearers of the word because if we hear the word meaning that we read the scriptures we read the words of jesus we read what he says we hear what he says whether it be preached proclaimed or read whatever it is he says if we hear it but we don't do anything with it then we are becoming liars and this is what jesus is talking about he says you have to abide in my word. You have to hear my word, but you can't just hear it. Like, you've got to do something with it. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And so what does he mean by his word? Well, I think, I think there's a couple of things that he means. One is I, I, I think he means himself. John chapter 1 John writes this about Jesus. He says that the word, he calls Jesus the word, meaning that, that these words that we read, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's what Paul says about him in Colossians. But the, the words that we see, this is the embodiment of who Jesus is, of who Christ is. This is a picture of Jesus Himself, And so Jesus is the word himself. But I think that as Jesus is talking about this, he's also talking about just the things that he has said. The things that he has spoken to the people. The commands that he gives us. The call on our lives, if you will. 
And so it means to abide in his word. It means that we have to take in the full counsel of Jesus's teaching and apply it to our lives. That means that we don't get the option of picking and choosing what we like or dislike, keeping what we like and tossing to the side what we dislike. I I like to kind of say it like this, is that we don't get the option of treating his words like a buffet or as my Appalachian American friends call it, a buffet. Buffet. You ever been to a buffet? I had somebody say that to me one time. They said, hey, you been to that buffet over there at Golden Corral? I was like, no, but I've been to the buffet at Golden Corral. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> um, speaking of, like, you know when you go to Golden Corral? I love Golden Corral, by the way. Like, I, I love it. Some of y'all are judging me right now. Don't. Um, but I love I, I love a good buffet, and uh, you know what I love about a good buffet though is I get to go to a buffet and I get to look at everything that's on the buffet and I get to go you know what I want that and I want that and I want that and I can eat as much of it as I want. But you know what I really really love about a buffet is when I look at something and I see it on there and I go oh, that looks nasty. I don't want that. I don't want that. And I don't want that. And I don't want that. You know what I don't have to do is I don't have to eat it. It's a buffet. I get to choose what I want. I get to take in what I like. I get to eat as much of what I like, but I get to toss to the side what I don't like. You know what we don't get to do with the Word of God? Treat it like a buffet. We don't get to treat this like a buffet. And so when Jesus says, if you abide in my Word, do you know what that means? That means all of His words, not just the ones that we like. Not just the ones that are comfortable for us even the ones that are uncomfortable for us. And listen, again, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and still to this day, even as I read these words earlier this week, and I put my eyes on this where Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, that made me uncomfortable. There are things that I still read that make me uncomfortable. There are things about the word of God that when I open them up and I look at them and I go, ah, Jesus, I don't like this. And he goes, I know, but it's good for you. You need to take it in. You need to learn how to live it out. And it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to stretch you, but it's going to shape you. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That's sort of the other part of the scripture is the, the disciple part. And some of you might hear the word disciple and you might think to yourself, oh, well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not quite there to that disciple level of things yet. Like uh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe a little down the road I'll, I'll get there. But I want you to understand something, that to be a Christ follower is to be his disciple. Like there is no next level of following Jesus. It's not like you are like a baby Christian and so now you're not quite a disciple yet and so eventually you get to that disciple level. That's not how it works. Like when you become a Christ follower, when you give your life to Christ and he saves you and he calls you, he calls you as his disciple. And to be a disciple means that as we hear his word or as we read his word, We are called to obediently follow and live out that word to the best of our broken and flawed ability. And it will be flawed, and it will be broken. 
and it will seldomly be perfect. But we are still called to live it out, to do as He leads us. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Maybe, maybe you even hear that and you think, you know, well, that sounds great, and I would love to do that, and I, 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 I want to do better, and I want to do, do more, and I want to live this out in my life, but there's so much about Jesus that I don't understand, and I would say, come on into the water because it's fine. Like, I'm there with you. I, I, there's so much about Jesus that I don't understand. There's so much about him that I don't know. There's so much about him that I, I'm still trying to figure out. There's so much about his word that even as I read it, that I'm still trying to figure out. Or maybe you think to yourself, you know what, like, I, I, I get that, that when he commands us and calls us to things, that, that we're supposed to do those things, but I'm not sure that I even really know what those commands are. And the only way that you will know what those commands are is if you actually open this up and read it. That's all right here. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's not, like, actually trying to hide anything from you. Like, it's here for us to ingest and digest and then to, to live out in our lives. And so we have to open this up. If you will abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, is what he says. And so we have to, to, to learn, we have to open this book and begin to, uh, to read it for ourselves. When I was uh, 16 years old, I had a, um, I had a, I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I went to this um, youth camp type thing and I, and I saw this guy get up and he it was just him and, a, and an acoustic guitar and he was leading worship and he was playing and singing and everybody was singing along and I you know as a 16 year old kid I was like man that's cool I want to do that I was like so I, I went home and I bought a guitar and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to play a guitar and lead worship and that's what I'm gonna do uh, God has called this to uh, you know God has given me this call on my life and hopefully chicks will dig it so um <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, and so I'm not sure if it was because I felt like God was calling me to it or because chicks would dig it. So uh, anyway, um, uh, so I went home and I went and to the music store and I bought, a, uh, I, I bought an electric guitar, an amp, and uh, a, a pedal, a guitar pedal. And um, I took it home and set it all up and just started playing it, like making noise. I didn't know how to play the guitar. I didn't know anything about playing guitar. I didn't even know what a fret was. I didn't know what a note was. I couldn't play a chord. I couldn't do anything. I just saw, you know, people doing this, and I was like, hey, that kind of sounds cool. And so I had a friend of mine come over later that day. I was like, hey, dude, check out this song. And I was like, you know, playing this thing. And he goes, dude, that ain't a song. That's awful. I was like, thanks. I appreciate that. And so, like, I quickly realized that there was nothing about the guitar that I knew. I, I didn't know how to play the guitar. And I had two things working against me about becoming a worship leader. A, I couldn't play the guitar, and B, I could not sing. And so that, that was a detriment to what I felt like God was actually calling me to. But I could hold a guitar, so, you know, maybe the, the third. Um, anyway, so I took the next day, I went back, I took the guitar back to the music store, and I took it, I took it back, and I said, hey, um, I can't play this thing. And I don't know what to do with it. I don't know if I can, like, just return it or, you know, whatever. And uh, the guy's music store was so gracious, so kind. He said, do you want to learn how to play the guitar? And I said, yes. And he said, then you need this. And he gave me an acoustic guitar. He said, you need, it, you need this. Trade this in for this. Take this. And he said, and that book right over there. And it was a book about playing the guitar, learning guitar for beginners, right? 
So I took that book and I took the guitar and I went home and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. And I say play the guitar loosely, but I can do some things. I can I can make some chords. I can make some sounds that sound decent. So um, so I learned though. But you know what the key was? So even as I learn as I was learning and I was opening up this book to learn how to play the guitar, the thing that uh, that as I got going a little bit further down the road, there were still things that I didn't understand. There were still things that I didn't quite get or know how to do exactly. So I went to a friend of mine who knew how to play the guitar and I said, Hey, can you show me this? Can you show me how to make this B chord? Because it's really, really hard. Or this, you know, this F chord. Like, I, I don't know, how, like, I can't get my fingers to stretch that far. And so he showed me some things and, like, how to hold it and how to strum it and, you know, different things like that. And so I went to somebody else. And, I, and the whole point of that is, is simply this, is that when it comes to the Word of God, there are going to be things that you don't know and things that you don't understand, but the answers are in the book. you got to start here. you got to get the book. you got to get the book. In fact, if you don't have one of these books, we'll give you one of these before you leave today. If, or if you've got a phone on you, you've got a Bible. You've got every translation of the Bible that you could ever want. It's in your pocket. There's access to it. But the other thing was, is that when there were things that I didn't understand, there are still things that I don't understand today. I go to somebody else and I say, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me understand this? Can, I, can you explain this to me? That's what we're called to do with each other. And that's part of what it means when Jesus says, if you will abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And when we do that, like what happens as we do that, Jesus says this, he says, and you will know the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus, he said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He says, and you will know the truth. And when you know that truth, you will be set free. You'll be set free when you know the truth. So if you're, if you're a believer here this morning, my prayer for you is, has been simple this week, is that as you read this, like that, my prayer is that it will do nothing for you but strengthen you in your faith. And maybe even ask, make you ask this question, can, can I do better? And by better meaning like, like can I... Can I open up the word and, and, and dive in a little deeper? Can I uh, start maybe asking questions when I don't understand something? Can I start taking risk of faith, stepping out in places that are uncomfortable to serve or to do or to start to live this out? Maybe that's through the context of the church. Maybe it's in the context of your neighborhood where, or the places where you live, work, and play. Maybe it's, it's with 127 Worldwide and, and taking that kind of step. My hope and prayer for you is that, that as you read this, that, that you will start to ask that question of yourself. Am I abiding in his word? Because I want nothing more than to be his disciple. Or maybe, maybe you're someone who's not sure. Maybe you're, you read that and you go, I don't, I don't really know if I'm his disciple because... Like my whole faith experience, like I, I think, I think I was just sort of born as a Christian, and so like I, I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. And and I would say you weren't born as a Christian. No one's born as a Christian. Like you don't, you're not born into your faith. You're reborn into your faith when Christ calls you and saves you and draws you. But no one starts out in life just as a Christian. 
so if that's you, if you're like trying to figure that out, then I, I would just encourage you to let this be the thing that cuts you open and cuts you to the heart that says, I need to bring myself, I need to lay myself down at his feet. God, save me. Because these people, they came to Jesus. Remember, they came to him. And they were like, Jesus, we believe. We believe in you. And then 30 minutes later, but we want to kill you. That's what it says. Verse 59 says they picked up stones to throw at him. You know why? Because they didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was saying. It wasn't comfortable for them. The thing that I love about the gospel and about the words of Jesus is that he, he tells us the truth even when it hurts. And that truth should lead us to a place of action. What are you going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? He calls us, he says, if you will abide in my word, then truly you are my disciples. There's this, uh, close with this, there's this guy by the name of John Piper who is uh, just an amazing writer, teacher. Uh, he's a retired pastor now, but uh, read, uh, read a ton of his books. And um, I've even quoted a lot of stuff to you guys here before. But uh, I was listening to uh, a guy tell this story about meeting John Piper for the first time. Uh, this other guy, his name is Louis Giglio, and maybe you've heard of him too. He's another uh, pastor. But he, um, he was talking about the first time that he met John Piper. And John Piper was this you know, just a guy that was like larger than life to him. He was a guy that he looked up to, a guy that he tried to learn um, about how to live out uh, the faith from this kind of this kind of deal. So almost like this mentor, if you will, uh, from a distance. And and Louis Giglio was putting on this huge conference, and he invited John Piper to come and speak. And so Piper was coming to speak, and and when he w- came to speak, he said that the night before they were in the hotel and. And uh, Louis was walking through the lobby of the hotel, and he hadn't met uh, Dr. Piper yet, but he's walking through the hotel lobby, and he sees John Piper sitting at a table by himself eating a meal. And so Louis walks over to John Piper and walks over to him and says, uh, Dr. Piper, I, you know, my name's Louis, and I'm so glad that you're coming to speak, and can't wait to hear you speak tomorrow. It's going to be absolutely amazing, really awesome. But I just wanted to let you know, like, like I— I look up to you. I try to em- emulate my faith after after yours. And, and man, I, I just got to tell you, I don't think there are five people on this planet that follow Jesus the way that you do and live it out the way that you do. And Louis said that, that in that moment, Piper kind of stopped eating, and he sort of looked up at him and just stared at him and didn't say a word. <laughs> Could you imagine how awkward that would be? Like you would, Like somebody that you looked up to like that, your mentor or, you know, in a way, someone that was just larger than life to you and you said something like that to them, they're just staring at you, not saying a word. And and so Louis said he got really nervous and he said, he said, I I mean, Dr. Piper, I I, I really, I honestly, I truly, truly believe that there are, there are not five people on this planet that, that follow Jesus the way that you do and just live it out the way that you do. And, And I'm just learning so much from you. And he said that John Piper looked at him and he said this. He said, well, then why don't you go and be number six? And then he went back to eating. <laughs> what if you were number seven? Eight, nine, and ten. That you were abiding in Jesus 
in such a way that when other people looked at you and saw the way that you were following and living out your faith, imperfectly as it will be, that other people saw you and said, that, that is, that is a disciple of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for how it, God, I thank you for how it's challenged me and it has cut to me and cut to my heart. God, I pray this morning that as we, as we consider your word, God, as you work in our hearts, God, that you, God, for those in the room, Father, who are uh, your followers, your sons, your daughters, God, God, would you just strengthen their faith? God, as they consider what it means to truly be your disciple, God, would you speak either softly or loudly as it may be that they are yours and you are theirs. And God, for anyone in the room, God, this morning who, who finds themselves at a place who, who is questioning, God, am I, am I your disciple? God, would you, would you draw them? God, if they are far from you, would you save them? God, if they have distanced themselves from you because of things that they have put in their lives that have separated themselves from you uh, to, to be close to you, God, would you bring them to a place of repentance to lay those things at your feet? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, will you stand to your feet and sing this song with us? We, won't, we don't want you to just sing the songs. It's the thing that we do here at the end of the service. We want you to continue to contemplate and think through the word this morning. And Are you abiding in him? And if there is something between you and God that keeps you...